We have two special guests this morning, uh, in April and Chris, if you guys want to come up this morning. And they brought their favorite child, Jenna, with them. <laughs> and most gifted child. Yes, and she didn't pay me to say that. Um, so... Chris and April, we've known, we've known, Maria and I have known you, what, 20-something years? It was like 98, 90, 2000? I don't remember. It's been something. I think it's like 20 years. Yeah, it's been like, I've known him for like two decades. Uh, we all went to the same university outside of uh, Seattle. Um, and uh, they've been pastors for many years. Uh, and about, I don't know, a year ago, six months, I don't know how many months ago it was, uh, when you have a baby, it lose, you lose track of time. Yes. And so we, um, I saw a post of them, and they said, it said, um, the, the Hinkle's African Adventure. And I'm like, what are they doing? Are they go on a sightseeing trip? You know, and come to find out that they were uh, leaving their position in ministry in Seattle, outside of a town outside of Seattle, uh, to go to Africa to spread the gospel. And... Um, and so I'm like, you know, I Facebook message. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Uh, you, you know, you can't watch the Seahawks in Africa. What are you, where are you going? And so uh, they sent me some videos and stuff. We'll get to see what they're doing and, and stuff like that. So, you know, Maria and I wanted to get involved with them. And, um, and then, you know, I find out from Chris here a few months ago, goes, hey, we're going to be in New Jersey. I'm like, what are you doing in New Jersey? I mean, of all the places to go from Seattle to have your supporting churches send you to New Jersey. And I'm like, why would they do that? You know, and then I realized New Jersey has a history of knowing that the best things come from Seattle, right? Oh, that's true, yeah. yes. Right. You know? I'm from Seattle, for anybody who didn't get that joke. Okay. Um, and so they were coming here for a month, and they're like, hey, we'd love to come share. And so I, I shared with them, the, with our board, uh, what they were being uh, called to do. And the board's like, man, we want to get involved, and we want to bring them here. And so this morning, uh, we asked them to come here to share a bit about their ministry uh, and to share the gospel with you, uh, a word from, uh, from God's word. And my hope is two, uh, twofold. Number one, my hope is that you'll get a vision for what they're getting called to do. And second, that you'll be reminded that if your faith is in Christ, what they're doing, you are called to do. Maybe not in the same place, but you are called to do it. And that the Lord will put the faces and the people in your mind that you can visually see and that you are called to reach for the gospel. So that's my prayer. That's what I've been praying all this week. I'm so excited to have you guys. So I'm going to leave you to it. You know, as one Seahawks fan to another, preach, yes, he's a Seahawks fan. That's right. Man of God. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. I almost went with green and blue, but I knew the Jets and Giants fans would get mad, so I let it, I let it go. So anyway, you got to take away the gospel, and awesome. you got it. You look like you want to hug or something. You want to? I do. You do, you do, you do. He does. He's, he's a hugger. Okay, well, so I'd rather hug your wife anyway. I'm a hugger. Jeff needs that in his life. I do. So he needs I do. I wasn't hugs. held enough so as a child. We, we're bringing that from Seattle with you. So no, thank you so much for letting us be here. And you know, you guys have amazing pastors. So you really do. Oh, wait. It's, hold on, hold on. <laughs> there we go. There we go. But you guys do. You guys have amazing pastors. One thing I love about Jeff is he's someone who knows how to bring people along with what, with what he's doing. So at college, I think you're the one who got me playing fantasy football, and I thank you for that because I've been dominating ever since. You've yeah. invited me to be part of that. Except for... Yes. From our college studies, it's I appreciate okay. That's that. What Jeff used to do like, didn't he used to like? Did he take notes on points like on paper and pencil before like there was like the apps and all the craziness? Is that right? Yeah. It's yes. real. But also, just so you know, Jeff, I have won our fantasy football the last two years. Beat Chris in the championship. She Aren't beat you happy? Me Makes last you, two I know. years. So I, I'm still. <laughs> I'm not crying. I'm not crying. I'm okay. But. But, and uh, playing softball with you guys, I mean, that was a blast. So Jeff is, I love that about you. 
that you just bring people along. And so thank you for doing that. And, um, and Jeff was the very first person to ever babysit our firstborn child outside of the family. And let me just tell you, it was a sacrifice that he made because he, our son Caden, he was a crying child unless he was with his mom. So Jeff sat for like two hours with a child who was like three months old just screaming at him. So... And we're we so warned him ahead of time. We're we like, are you sure you really want to do this? And he's like, I got it. You guys go. Uh -huh. And so willing to serve. And I feel we, like that's still his we're heart, very thankful. Honestly, so. so but no, this morning, we're so glad to be here with you. We like uh, like Pastor Jeff said, we're from uh, Seattle area from the state of good state of Washington. And we're thankful to be here in New Jersey. So thanks for having us and welcoming us to your wonderful state. And, you know, I love that it can get cloudy here, but it doesn't have to rain. That's amazing. I didn't know that could happen. I mean, anytime it's cloudy, it's raining. That's what we're used to. So we appreciate that. And um, but this morning, we want to share a couple of things. We want to share about our call and how God has called us. And we're hoping that when you hear our story of how God called us, that maybe you'll go, God, what are you calling me to? What is it you're asking me and help me to be obedient to your voice? And then also that we're, uh, that we're going to share just a little bit about our ministry and what God, what that's going to look like for us and then share a word with you. So uh, we've been pastors um, for the last 16 years, uh, 10 years of youth pastors. Last six years, we were lead pastors of our church. And then we felt God calling us in a, in a completely different adventure. So we want to share that this morning. Yeah, for me, it started about 10 years ago. Um, we were on a short-term trip to El Salvador serving, and we got to serve, just share the gospel of Christ to um, inner city kids in San Salvador, El Salvador, and go to, they invited us into their schools and to share the gospel. Got to go to some gang-related schools where the kids all had gang parents who were in the gangs and just share the gospel of Christ. And it was a really fantastic week. We shared alongside this beautiful community of El Salvadorans, and we just fell in love with them. And it was the final night of, um, it was the final night after we had served for 10 days, and we're in this prayer meeting. There's only like 12 of us there. And we're praying, and in my heart, I felt the Holy Spirit say, April, someday you're gonna do this. And in my head, I kind of laughed. And I said, Lord, I had fun this week, and I know I did, and I don't want to tell myself what to do, and I know that this is not what it looks like to live overseas and serve. I know this is the fun side of things, so take this thought back from me. And the pastor who was in charge, his name was Don Triplett, he, um, he actually interrupted the meeting, and he said, I'm sorry to interrupt this time, but the Holy Spirit has spoken to my heart that he called someone in here to something and they've told themselves it's their own voice. And he wants you to know it's his call for your life. And I was like, okay. <laughs> right? Like, no, yeah, that's clear. So for, with everything in me, I am an out loud processor. I feel like Jeff and I might have that in common. An out loud processor. <laughs> and I want to talk to Chris about it, but we're leading youth and there's no time. And so there's this moment on the airplane ride where Jake, who was sitting next to Chris, got up to go to the bathroom. And I thought... I'm going to use this 15 seconds, no, the minute or two. And I run, hustle up the aisle, and I sit next to Chris. And I said to him, 
hey, babe, remember the prayer meeting last night? How crazy was that? Yeah, when Don Triple, and I mean, when he interrupted the meeting, it was for me. I was the one praying, and God had called me to serve overseas, and I was questioning it, but he said that, and I know that God's calling this Mia to this. I don't know what that looks like for us, for our family. We had four little kids at the time, or anything. The door's opening from the bathroom, but babe, we should talk more about this later. I love you. Goodbye. And I left him, and I headed back to my seat. Yeah, so pray for him if you think of him. It's just a thing that should happen. Um, so the next day, I went to talk to him again. I was like, we're home, and our kids are there. And I said, hey, Chris, I'd love to continue that conversation we started on the airplane. And he just looked at me, real honest-like, and said, what conversation? I'm like, you know, any wife in here really has lots of thoughts that would go through your head in that moment. You know, like, thought that was pretty big news. I can't believe you weren't listening when I was talking. What are you talking? You know, lots of thoughts. But, again, the Holy Spirit corrected me. This is twice in two days. And he said, Chris is mine to call. And I was like, okay. I'm like, yeah, no. And so that began a time of me waiting for God to fulfill that promise in my life that he has called me to something. And I know it's more than just me, but he's going to call Chris someday. And so I waited and trusted and let hope spring up in me and joy, as the scripture says in Romans, that, that as we trust in him, that he will fill us with all joy and peace because we trust in him and then we trust in him more. And that just really encouraged my relationship with God. And so I waited yeah, so we, we talk about even to this day, I don't ever remember that conversation airplane happening. And uh, as we talk about it now, we go, man, God just closed my ears because the timing wasn't right for whatever reason. And so we're just faithfully serving, pastoring, doing what God, what we know God's calling us to do. And, and April's waiting. And so we, we'd been lead pastors at our church for four years at this point. It was the end of 2018, last service. And we had some uh, guests from Wales and they're sharing about their ministry in Wales. And they're talking about how the just the church in Wales is, has been dying because the culture is so secular. People are either angry with God or want nothing to do with God. And so the church has been kind of dying and it needs to be revitalized. And I remember sitting in the front row of our church and I, I was just praying and going, God, what can we do about this? How can we change that? And as I was praying this, I just felt God say, well, Chris, it's something you can do and actually something I want you to do. And so in that moment, I knew what God was asking and so I'm an internal processor. So I took a couple of days, just process, pray about it. And then I came to April and, and I just said, hey, what would you think if God was calling us to serve overseas? And she, she just looked at me and she said, I've been waiting seven years to hear you say that. And uh, so, yeah, so as she was waiting, you know, just, just know that if God has spoken something, if he's called you to something, that he's faithful to keep his word. He's faithful to do it. Now, it may take seven years. It may take 70 years. I don't know. But just know that whenever God has said something, he's faithful to do it. And you can trust in him. Yeah, and so even after that, we're waiting. We knew we were waiting because we were waiting when God spoke to me. But then we were waiting for God's timing on it. And while we were waiting for God's timing, we didn't talk to our kids about it. And yet one day, Jenna came outside and talked to us about it in a way. She came out to the back porch where we were sitting and she said, Mom, Dad, I was just praying in my room. I felt like God said that the first trip I go on to share Jesus overseas is going to be our whole family going to Africa. 
And we're like, oh, that's mighty specific. <laughs> like, she was called to serve, to share God's love overseas when she was only eight years old. And so for her to come out at 10 years old and say this to us, we're like, wow, that's super specific. And then we, being, you know, parents who want to protect our children, you know, said, well, Jenna, would you be disappointed if it was somewhere else? You know, and she goes, but God said, and just left us on the porch sitting, <laughs> right? The faith of a child, it's true. God wants us to have faith where he speaks to our hearts and we just say, yes, you're right, Lord, and we trust it. And so God used Jenna just so, um, in such a clear way to guide our family into where he had planned. And so even as we stepped into the world where we left our church, we did, we resigned from our church as the lead pastors because we knew God's timing had come and we're headed overseas. We are headed to the continent of Africa. Maybe a little different Africa than I was thinking when she said it because we're headed to Northern Africa, to the Arab world. And so um, as we get ready to head there, we just pray that, I don't know, we're faithful to live out his love and faithfulness to those people who don't know him yet. People who need to really hear the truth and love of Jesus. And then the picture there, you can see we have four kids. So three of them aren't here with us. So we have our, uh, they're 17, 15, 13, 11. And so our older boys, they have, uh, they started soccer back home. So they came with us a little bit and then flew back. And, um, but we loved it that when we shared with our whole family about this, about this call and what's the timeline, what, are, what is it going to, cost us to do this, uh, family vacations, holidays, uh, those types of things. Um, we said, okay, what do you guys think? And just the older boys said what they're all thinking. They said, man, if God's called us to do this, we have to do it. And we're thankful for their hearts, how God spoke to each and every one of them and prepared them for what his call was for our whole family. And so now where we're heading, I, I want to make this uh, just, just clear one second. You're like, why aren't you saying where you're going? Well, we can't with online purposes. We have to be careful with what we say. Because um, there's uh, security issues with, the, with where we're going uh, and the nature of what we're doing. So meaning if they found out we were doing what we're doing, they wouldn't let us in. And so we have to be careful with online purposes. So later on, if you want to know, we can tell you exactly where and, and any, answer any questions you want. And so we're just trying to be as careful as we can so, so we can get in. And, um, but where we're going, there, there's some things we want to share about the realities of where we're heading to and why it's so important we go to the share the gospel. Um, where we're heading, it's 99.6% of uh, people follow Islam. So meaning there's a very small majority of Christians or anyone else, 99.6% Islam is what they follow. Meaning there's a lot of people who need to hear the gospel message. And, and now, instead of just countries, uh, we, we break it down uh, into people groups because, as you can know, just within one area, there can be a majority of different people groups that reside in there. And so they estimate there's about 31 different people groups in this nation, and 27 out of 31 don't know who Jesus is. Meaning this, that they've never heard that Jesus is the Son of God that he came to die on a cross for their sins and rose again from the dead. That the only idea maybe they have of Jesus is, is what the Quran tells them, that he's, he's just a prophet or a good man. So, and it's not that they've heard about Jesus, chosen something else. They've just never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus. And where we're going, it's illegal uh, for anyone who's a local national to be a Christian. Meaning when they gather together for church, it's the underground church because they can't just worship freely like we get to over here. That... They meet in homes, 
and they have to be careful who comes in, making sure you know who it is. And also, like when they sing worship, they have to sing quiet enough that the neighbors won't hear. Otherwise, they may turn them in as a church. And um, it, it literally costs them everything to be a Christian. Yeah, and as they give up all these things to become a believer, then they cling tightly to the groups that they have. So it is amazing what happens when you cling tight to that hope. Even as all of us in here who know Jesus as our hope, man, we cling to that hope because it is our hope for our life. And so they actually cling closer to one another because when they become a believer, they actually give up a lot. Whether people don't shop at their businesses or family members don't want to talk to them anymore and disown them. So then they cling tightly to this group. And because of that, the underground church is actually growing mightily. This number we have up here, we just found that it is actually um, more than 60 underground churches. So from five to more than 60 underground churches since 2012. And God is doing a a work in the people, and especially in the people who are under 30 in the nation, that God is, that there's this, this thing rising up in them that says, is this real? Are these things that my parents, that our family, that our generations have lived for, and is it real? Is there something better than this? And so we hope to go in and say, yeah, Jesus is the best, like he is. He's the best, he's the only and show them that hope that, that we have. Yeah, and as we go, we're going to do uh, uh, two things mainly. We're going to be part-time pastors at an international church, which is more for expats, transplants, refugees who aren't locals from the nations but have come in. And so we're going to serve at the church there. And then we're also going to work with a program called Live Dead, which is um, we're going to spend the first two years and learn Arabic. So please pray for us um, as we try to learn a whole new language. And, um, and then we're going to learn about the culture and learn how, how do you plant churches within a different culture than America and, and in a place where it's hostile toward the gospel. How do you do that? And so, so that's going to be kind of our roles as we disciple people to Christ. And, and ultimately, we want to see a church planting movement happen among the whole Arab world there. So, Yeah. Yeah. And then this morning, we are going to share with you out of Matthew chapter 13. And I'm going to start by reading, but I'm going to pray over the word before I start. But we'll be reading um, verses 3 through 9 in chapter 13. So if you would pray with me, um, I would appreciate that. Father God, Lord, we come before you, and I pray that your words sink into our soul. Lord, lead us and guide us. Let us know you more, God, and let us, Lord, reflect you more as we walk out of here. Lord, let us not let your word not change us, God. We pray that your word changes us from the depths of our heart and souls. In your name, Jesus, amen. Okay, I'm gonna start reading, and it's parable of Jesus. Um, so, and he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and provided grain, a produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So the first thing we're going to talk about this morning is this from this parable, is that we are all called to sow seed. 
that it's all of us. When I, my parents, uh, grown up, their stems got pastors, so I grew up in church my whole life. And I've, I've heard this parable many times. And as a young boy hearing it, I used to make this assumption. I used to assume that Jesus was the farmer. And here's why, because I thought, well, Jesus is clearly the farmer because he's the very word of God. He's the living word. He's the one, if anyone could sow the word better than us, it's God. So clearly he's the farmer. But the problem is when we make the assumption that Jesus is the farmer, then we take all responsibility of sharing the gospel off of us and put it all on God. And that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying he's not the farmer. He said, if anyone is a follower of him, then we're all farmers who will sow seed wherever we go. That this is all of our job. And you might think, well, that's the pastor's job because he is the one who knows the word better. He prepares, they preach it. So clearly they're the ones who sow seed. Or that's what uh, people like us who are going overseas, of course you're going to do it because you're called to do that. But here's what I want to remind us today. We're all called to do this. We're all called to do it. And you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be anyone special. God just wants to use you around the people he's put in your life to scatter seed to. Here's what I encourage you to do, though. In, in order for us to scatter seed, though, we have to have our, our whatever container filled with seed. So what does that mean? Here's what I mean. Don't ever take it for granted that you have a church that you get to come to and worship together in. Because where we're going, that's not a luxury. That's not something they get where we, they can just freely worship. And so never take for granted that we, that we are the church and we need to be part of the church. Because in order for us to be people so seed, we have to be plugged into a church. So we're filling our satchel with seeds so we can scatter it wherever we go. Not only that, but I think today more than ever, we're reminded we need to be people of the word. Because there's so much in these last few years that have happened in our world that's vying for our attention and saying, this is the way you should go or do things. This is the way. And more than ever, we need to be in the Word so we can say, no, this is what God says. And we live by that. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Don't ever take for granted that we have the very living Word of God. Mm -hmm. We have access to it anytime, anywhere. Because where we're going, we have an Arabic Bible on, the, on our back table. And that Arabic Bible is illegal to have in the country we're going to. It's illegal for them to have a Bible in their own language. But yet we have the very living word of God. But the question is, how often do we allow God's word? Do we get into it and allow it to speak to us? Here's the other thing about sowing seed. If you're going to be someone who sows seed, you have to be where the soil is. Meaning this. If the church people are the only people we're ever around, that's a problem too. Because God has called us to go to where the soil is so we can scatter seed. It does no good to scatter seed where there's no soil. We need to be around those that, that we need to scatter seed to. And so what does that mean? That means that home you have isn't just your home, it's the home God gave you because maybe there's neighbors around you that he wants you to scatter seed to. That that job you have isn't just your job to, to earn a paycheck and, and, and support your family, but it's a place where maybe there's coworkers who don't know Jesus and God wants to use you to sow seed. Now, here's a question. How many of you can smile and say hi to someone? I hope, okay, I hope, I hope everyone's hand, right? Like, I feel like that's something we all can do. Don't 
Oh, okay. I Aww. thought so. I thought so. But I want to share share just a story of how God used that to scatter seed to someone. So when we were first youth pastors, we were in a small community in Southwest Washington, about 500 people in one of those towns where everyone knows everyone. And there was this new family who kind of moved in from the beach and, um, and they moved there because they want to get kind of out of some rough areas and move to a place that, that would be better raise their son. And I have a picture of him, but his name is Jerry. And Jerry is this, uh, he loves Vita Bugs, he loves Harleys, he loves uh, bikes, and he's, he's this rough-looking guy, slick back hair, you can see tattoos all on his arms, like, he's a guy you look at and you go, okay, I don't know how the soil is. But so, so they knew who we were, they knew we were Pastor Church, so one day I was just doing a normal, ordinary thing, I was going to her P.O. box to check her mail, and so I left the office, and it was like two houses away, the church from the post office box, but one of the houses on the way was Jerry's house. So I'm walking by, it's this beautiful sunny day, going to check the mail, and Jerry's outside in his driveway in a bathrobe holding a beer can and uh, talking with friends, showing them his new Harley. And so I'm walking by and I'm like, hey, Jerry, how's it going? Good morning. And he waves back, says hi, and that's, that's about the encounter we had. And I go to the post office, check the mail, walk back to the office, wave hi again, say hi and then just go along with my day. Well, eventually, Jerry and his family started coming to our church. And eventually, Jerry and his family got saved, and, and, we, and we baptized them. And, and so we had a men's Bible study we were doing at our house. And after one of these Bible studies, Jerry came up to me. He goes, do you know why I started coming to church? And I said, Jerry, I have no idea why you started coming to church. Honestly, no idea, no clue. I was just glad they had been. And he said, because one morning... I was in the bathrobe holding a beer can, showing my friends a Harley, and I knew you were the youth pastor, and you smiled, and you said hi to me, and you treated me like a human being, even though I looked ridiculous. And he goes, because of that, I want to start coming to church. And I'm going to be honest. In my mind, when he was telling me that, I didn't even remember that happened, except for he told me. And I remember thinking he told me that, and I go, this is it? Like, that's it? Like, I didn't share, like, God's word with you. I didn't have this huge moment where I'm like, man, everything aligned. But it was the fact that I just smiled and said hi, and he could see the love of Jesus through that. And so here's what I encourage you. All of us can do that. We can all do something like that where we just treat people with kindness and like they're human beings made the image of God, and we can show God's love. Yeah, I love that. I love that there's lots of ways for us to scatter seed because sometimes it is sharing the gospel. And sometimes it is knowing them, knowing you know the gospel and you just being nice. <laughs> like we should be nice. We should be nice people. But the second thing that I want to talk to you guys about this morning is this, that, um, is that seeds can't take a root unless they're scattered. And, um, and I would say this, this is an interesting, so anyone who's a farmer and reads this story, this parable, I would say if I was a farmer, I would probably have a problem with it right away. Cause you're like this. The sower went out to sow seeds, and he just threw them. You know, like he just threw them. They ended up on the path, in the rocky soil, in the weeds, in the good soil. Like a good farmer would only put it in the one soil. I mean, right? I'm not a very good farmer, guys, so I don't actually know. But I would think. And yet, and yet Jesus tells us to do something a little different because, see, he's not saying this, hey, Actually, if you guys could go out and work the soil 
and work the hearts. And then when the soil is right, then you put a seed in, just one, just no big deal. Plant that one seed and then space it out and plant that next seed and do that work. But he's saying, listen, I need you to just scatter it because I'm the God of the hearts and I will prepare their hearts and I need you not to judge that. And as you scatter seed, you have no idea which soil is actually good soil because you don't know because you can't. Um, I have, I have a friend, um, and she came to our church, the, the church we lead pastored, Samantha, and, um, she had friends who invited her to church. They were really close friends with a couple in our church who invited them to church for two years. Listen, guys, that's a lot of no's. I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, man, you guys are persistent. I am very proud of you. I said, Yeah. We just kept inviting because I don't know. You never know. They might say yes. And that is a way of scattering seed when you're like, I don't know. Is it rocky? I don't know. Is it? And then the day they say yes, you're like, what? Wait, what? Oh, yeah. No, I'm excited for you to come too. It's going to be great. And they came. And her husband had a church background. His parents and his grandparents were saved. But she did not have a church background. Now, I don't know this about her as a person. And so... We just kept showing God's love. So their friends showed God's love. And then we kept showing God's love and just preaching what God asks us to put on. And she um, later found out that she was a proclaimed atheist. Like a proclaimed atheist. Like she was like, I don't even know why I came, April. I walked into that service. I don't know why I came. But, she, but we hit that good soil. Their friends did when they invited her. And she came and they came for almost a year before God did a work in the soil, but we just kept scattering that seed, kept loving them, kept saying hi, kept being kind, kept preaching God's word. And in that year, she would, there were times where she would come home from church. She was telling me this. She was saying, I would come home from church and be like, excuse me, did you hear what they're telling us that we need to do? Like, they're so controlling of our lives. They expect us to. And then she would have different things like raise our hands and worship. That's so offensive. Why would we do that? Like, we have to read this one book, all of us. Like, that's very controlling. And she had all these things she would talk about, like, how offensive, how offensive. And then she came to a point where she said, have you been talking to them about what we're talking about during the week? Because when we talk during the week, then on Sunday morning, they're preaching about the thing that we talked about, and I'm done. You cannot be talking to them about that stuff anymore. And her husband's like, I, I didn't say anything. No, why would I say something, you know? And she, she, I think she eventually believed him because eventually she gave her heart to Christ. And we got to baptize her, and Chris got to marry them, and we got to dedicate their baby boy. And God did this work in the soil where I feel like he says, I mean, Jesus in this parable gives out this thing where he says, yeah, you're going to scatter seed and only one out of four times is it going to hit. That's bad odds for all of us. And like, that's bad odds. If I get 25% on a test, I fail. Even, even in baseball, it's not a really good hitting percentage, I feel like. And baseball is pretty generous with like, you can miss a lot. And... And so we sometimes as Americans look at this and we're like, doesn't even feel right. Maybe we shouldn't do it. But imagine if after a no, and for, the, for Samantha, she was a harder soil. Like I would say it wouldn't be like one out of four because she didn't say yes until two years into inviting to church. She didn't say yes to Jesus until hearing his word proclaimed for almost a year. We don't know the soil, but God does. 
And we're just supposed to scatter that seed. We're supposed to spend time close to him so that we have his love to share. And like Chris was talking about, be in the word so that it just naturally comes out of our mouths. That we talk about the truths of the Bible because they just, they're a part of us. And as we do that, we live a life that is to be desired, a life of love that they say, man, they've got something that I just don't have that peace, that love, that joy, especially in times like this. As pastor was talking about, man, the situation in Ukraine and just that havoc, Lord, I, and I pray that the peace that the people who know him cling to, that that is such light in this dark time. Because that's truly what we hold to also. That peace and that hope that we can cling to and it shines brightly in the darkness. So I encourage you, don't, don't be people who worry about the soil because if I'd have known that about Samantha, maybe I wouldn't have, I didn't know she was an atheist, but if I knew maybe God protected me from that because he's like, April, like you'd be a little timid and you wouldn't share and you wouldn't scatter like I know you want, I know I want you to in her life. Because maybe I would be questioning, is it good soil, Lord? If she says she's an atheist, like how do I win her over? No, I scatter the seed and God wins her over. That's how we're supposed to live. He's the one who wins souls. We never do. So just encourage you, man, just don't worry about the soil and just be willing to scatter the seed no matter what because it can't take root unless it's scattered. And we share these stories of like Jerry and Samantha because the last point we're talking about is this, is that amazing things happen when the seed takes root that God gets the glory, that God does the amazing things. We just scatter the seed and then we allow God to do the rest. And I mean, if you think about it, right, we talk about how three out of the four soils don't take. A lot of times when you're scattering seed, it's like, man, it's not taking God. It's not working. It, but three out of four don't take. But Jesus also lays it out that here's what happens when it does take. Let me put it in percentages, right? Because if we're only successful 25% of the time, but Jesus says that, but when it does take, you'll receive a harvest of 30, 60, 100 times greater. Let's put that in percentages real quick here. And so if we put that in percentages, if it's 30 times greater than what was sown, that's a 750% return on what was sown. If it's 60 times greater, that's a 1,500% return on what you'd sown. Or if it's 100%, 100 times greater, that's a 2,500% return on what was sown. What does that mean? That means that's greater than if we hit it 100% of the time, right? Like on our own. But with God, this is the way the kingdom works. And here is why. Why does it work like that? Why does God multiply things? Because for instance, let's take Jerry, for example. Jerry gave his life to Jesus. And his wife did and his son did. Now they're raising their son to follow God who will hopefully marry uh, someone else who loves God. And they raise their kids to follow God who raise their kids to follow God. And you can see how it multiplies. Not only that, but Jerry and Tammy have a heart for young kids in that community who don't have great family lives. And so they welcome kids into their home and they show them the love of God who therefore hopefully will raise kids who love God, who love God. And it just multiplies. And that's what God wants to do. You never know what can happen when that seed takes root in someone else's life and what God will do with that. Yeah. And uh, just to close out, just kind of a story from the international church where we're, we're going to be a part of. Did you want to share it? Or? Yeah, so recently the international church for expats, refugees, transplants, um, there were some Filipinos who came to know Christ. And they were just so excited. Oh, this is a different picture. Sorry, I'm sharing a different story. Chris will share this one. Um, and they were so excited to know Christ. I know, I was like, sorry, guys. That, um, that they went out and told their neighbors. 
And in a country like we're talking about with those little percentages, right? Every one soul that says yes is like something to celebrate. But they went out and told their neighbors and there were 14 Muslim background believers who were baptized that next week. 14 is so huge in a nation like that, 14 people. Because you, as we look at the numbers, four people out of a thousand have any relationship with Jesus Christ, four. So 14's like, psh, it's amazing. So we just celebrated with them that man, so thankful that they were willing just to take that word. They were, had that freshness of a spirit who came to know Christ excitement and just went out and scattered that seed real quick. And 14, I don't know how many no's they got, but they got 14 yeses, and that is huge. Yeah, and then that last picture you saw, his name is Doma, and he's the one wearing the Mickey Mouse shirt, green shirt. And he's someone who came from another country into the country we're going to be serving in and got plugged into the international church because he needed income and needed something to do, and he started gardening for the church. And as he started gardening, God worked on his heart, and then eventually, as a, as a Muslim, gave his life to Jesus. Now, the reason Doma left the country he was in to come to, to that country is because him and another person escaped prison at the cost of some other people's lives to flee, and that's where they fled to. And I love how God took someone like that, plugged them toward the international church, and he gets saved. And now, here's the cool thing about Doma. They say Doma, uh, in the neighborhood he lives in, is, isn't a very good neighborhood, but they call him the general because he's the one who will take care of and protect everyone there. Not only that, they said, Doma, he was walking down the street one day and the lady fell over and they think she was having a heart attack and he got down and he prayed for her and she got up healed. And then not only that, the one who used to rob people and, and uh, be in prison uh, is the one who's now at the church discipling other Muslims to, uh, as believers. And so it's amazing what can happen when he takes root. And so this morning, I want to close in prayer, but just with this idea, who is the Jerry, Samantha, or Doma that God wants that he's put in your life that he wants you to scatter seed to and that maybe that seed will take root and God will change their hearts forever. And so we don't have to do anything crazy, but just God help us to be people who scatter seed wherever we go and watch as God transforms people's lives. Yeah, and even like we were singing this morning that Jesus did not consider the cross something to be avoided, but he said yes to that. He said yes to living a life of sacrifice and yes, to dine on the cross, because he knew he could foresee the salvation of our souls, of mine and yours and those around the world, and friends and neighbors and loved ones, that he saw that salvation was at hand, and he said, I'm willing to give up this moment. So for us and for you, it might be giving up a moment of comfort, where you walk in a discomfort because you're like, I think I'm supposed to say this thing out loud to them, and I'm really uncomfortable about it. But man, let us look to those moments where we're supposed to share Christ, show his love in moments where a lot of the time are moments we don't necessarily feel like it. But let us look ahead to the hope that we have in Jesus and cling to that and say, I'm willing to walk in this discomfort because of the hope, because I can foresee, Lord, your plan in their life. So just, I don't know, that was just on my heart. So I just shared it, sorry. Yeah, that's right. So here's, here's what I want to pray real quick. I want to pray that God this week will bring someone into your life that you can so see to, and then also that we'll be obedient to do that. Yeah. So let's pray together. God, we thank you so much, Jesus, that you 
sowed seed into our lives, that you left heaven, you came to earth, and you died on the cross for our sins, and you made a way. And God, we thank you for that. Thank you for doing that for us. And I thank you that each person who's here or watching online, God, that there was someone who sowed seed into our lives so we could know you and be in relationship with you. And God, I pray that we wouldn't let, let it end there, but God, that we would be people who would walk out and sow seed wherever we go. And so, Jesus, I pray this week you will bring someone into each and every one of our lives who you're, you're wanting us to sow seed to. And God, may we be obedient to do it. Whatever that looks like, whatever we need to say, Lord, may we scatter seed uh, everywhere we go. We thank you, Jesus, and we just pray this in your name. Amen.